the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Better believe it, 9 a.m. Morning, everyone. Saturday morning, October the 8th, 2022. Good old 710-KNUS on the air everywhere. Sunny skies today. 65 will be the high. 45 tonight, 73 on Sunday. Tonight, the sellout dinner honoring radio talk show host Alan Berg. All is well in the world. 303-696-1971. Going right to work. Uh, We hope to have him last week. He was busy. From Jihad Watch, indeed, probably one of my... When looking back on the last 25 years of talk radio, uh, this one man stands all by himself. Robert Spencer from Jihad Watch. Mr. Spencer, good morning. Welcome back. Thanks Thanks one more time. Peter, how are you? You know, I'm pretty good for an old guy. You know, it's going to be a busy day <laughs> today. And um, I have been doing nothing but nonstop reading, on, particularly on the Internet. And I'm drawn to Iran, but I also want to talk about the Saudis and cutting OPEC oil supplies. Um, the Iranian one I've read almost every day. And instead of chanting death to America, they're now chanting death to the dictator. What is, what, just an overall view first, what do you think we're watching? It's amazing, Peter. This is the biggest uprising the mullahs have ever, felt, have ever experienced. It's much bigger than the 2009 uprising that Barack Obama refused to support. It's bigger than the one that took place after that. It just keeps going on. The uh, wild thing about this is that it's led by young women who are just fed up with the forced hijab rule, and they're standing up to the police. And people are saying all over the country, uh, let them kill us. It doesn't matter. We are not going to back down. Now, this is extraordinary because killing the protesters is exactly what this regime has relied on in the past to quell uprisings. They're absolutely ruthless and bloodthirsty. They've never hesitated to kill their own people. And that's the way they've always put them on the floor. But now they're killing the protesters and the protesters just keep coming. And so this is these are very exciting times, Peter. And quite seriously, this regime could fall. I agree. Um, years ago, there was a reader, you know, um, it was entitled When Men Revolt and Why. And it was uh, a series of essays, his, historians writing essays about revolt and, you know, the French Revolution, our revolution. And the point that they all seem to come to as historians, they say, Men, and they talk about mankind. Well, maybe they were principally talking about men back in that moment. But revolt when they get to their knees. They do not, people do not revolt on their backs. They revolt on their knees trying to stand, if that philosophically makes sense. And I'm watching this, or at least reading about it. And there, there's a republic as a leader, supreme leader, Ali Khomeini. And talk a moment about him. But when they start chanting death to him, and it's led by women. The model works. Your thoughts? Yeah, uh, this is the guy who took over for Khomeini. In all these years, from 79 to now, they've only had two 
heads of state. And they are the similarly named uh, Khomeini and Khamenei. Khamenei being the supreme leader now, he is a grand ayatollah, which is, of course, a uh, the supreme authority in Shiite Islam. He is uh, an exponent of Khomeini's theory that the uh, Islamic State should be ruled by clerics, by Muslim clerics, because Muhammad was a prophet and he was the head of state. Yeah. And so following in his footsteps, the uh, Islamic State should be led by Muslim clerics like Muhammad. So uh, Khamenei has always been kind of the symbol of the regime. For them to be saying death to the dictator and we don't want an Islamic republic is a step much farther than protesters in the past have taken. In the past, protests have centered around specific grievances, but have not said we don't want the Islamic Republic at all. We don't want the supreme leader at all. And so uh, an indication of the seriousness of the situation in Iran is that they're going there now, that they're chanting that, that they're making it abundantly clear. It's not just that they want a different supreme leader or a uh, some kind of cosmetic reform in the government. They want an entirely different yeah. kind of state. Uh, Robert Spencer from Jihad Watch, Peter Boyle, 710 KNUS. The spark that ignited this, and I didn't realize again until reading that she was she's Kurd. She's a Kurdish woman, and she's Iranian, but she's Kurdish. And so, in in Iran, again from reading, if you're a Kurd, you're automatically almost a second class citizen compared to a, you know, a Persian. And she was not complying with the dress code, and they killed her. Is that a good way to to approach the beginning of this? Yeah, uh, this is a girl you're talking about named Masa Amini. Uh-huh. Yep. She was 22, and she was arrested for not wearing her headscarf properly. And she was uh, then suddenly she turns up dead in police custody. Now, what's interesting about this, well, there are many interesting things about this, but this has become the touchstone of all the protests. And it's as if, you know, her death was the last straw. Now, what's noteworthy about it is that the regime has been pushing the uh, propaganda line that she had undiagnosed heart conditions and died of that and wasn't tortured in police custody or beaten or anything. And she just ended up spontaneously dying. Now, this is a lot of hooey. She was, by all accounts, a completely healthy individual. And this is a regime that's been shown to be dishonest on numerous occasions in the past and also very, very repressive and violent. And so it's virtually certain that she was killed in custody, as the protesters say. But the remarkable thing about it is that the regime is trying to work against that narrative at all. In other words, they're deeply threatened. They're scared by these protests, and they're trying to tamp them down by saying, see, look, we're not really as repressive as you think. Whereas a regime that was completely secure in power would unapologetically kill somebody like Mm -hmm. Masa Amini and let the people feel the terror of that. Mm -hmm. But they realize now that's not going to work. And so they're on the defensive. And that also is a very good sign. We know, uh, and again, comparing and contrasting uh, the what Joseph Stalin 
did his best to keep out of Stalin's Soviet Union were radios and what we used to call mimeographs. And today, with the Internet and people, and, you know, 79, of course, the revolution goes one way, the ouster of the Shah. But um, from what I, again, am able to read, and I know some local Iranian people here that I speak to, this may be that moment, maybe like, you know, when revolutions happen, when they take place, it's the French Revolution, whatever it is, and the overthrow will come. And when you pointed out earlier, when they no longer fear the death or they no longer fear the government, that's the end of the game. Exactly. And see, the government clearly fears them. Oh. Otherwise, they wouldn't be trying to put out this preposterous story about how uh, she just sort of died on their hands to their horror. You know, um, this is nothing that the regime would have done before. They've killed plenty of people in custody and people have been upset about it, but they've never been driven to have to feel as if they had to explain or apologize or backtrack or anything. And so this is this is something new and exciting. I agree. Um, the potential plus I want to bring up that, you know, the Iran Atomic Accord, as it was called, because um, that plays out in this, too. Who are these people? And if there was a or were a, a regime change, looking back on, you know, I don't care what country it is, when when the government topples, then the vacuum is created. And, you know, as many people have said, a history doesn't hold with vacuum. Something will fill it. Again, your thoughts. Well, yeah, no, there's no doubt about that. And what we have here also is a uh, manifestation of the fact that there's something been ready to fill the vacuum in Iran for years because the Iranian people rec- remember it's yeah. not that long ago what it was like not to live in a Sharia state, not to live in an Islamic Republic. Um, I, uh, I think I said it last time. I'll say it again. I, I'm 60 years old and I was 17 when the Islamic Republic came in. I remember the Shah and the Western oriented Iran of the 70s. And so do many people in Iran. And also those people have told the younger people about what it was like in far greater detail. And so uh, they have something ready to fall back on that, say, Afghanistan does not. Afghanistan has never had a secular experience or tradition. And so it's, and it's never a had, very it's, it's different really, situation. It's never had a central government. I mean, the history of, of, of Afghanistan Indeed. is it's tribal. And uh, Iran yeah. has had central government, always had a central government. Going back thousands of years sure, with the kingdom sure. of Persia. Absolutely. So also one of the things that's interesting, again, from reading mobile phones, the Internet, um, people find a way to talk to one another. And, and and again, I've read, you know, how the Shah comes in, the Shah comes in or Shah comes in when they topple the Shah. They were sending the eight-track tapes out of Paris, and Ayatollahs in Paris making tapes, and truckers are bringing them in. There's all these great stories of how technology fueled that revolution as well. But on this one, cell phones or mobile phones and uh, the Internet, wow. And they, they do talk to one another. And I guess it's in all little small cities or towns. This revolution isn't just in Tehran. Oh, no, it's all over the country, all over the country. 
As a matter of fact, you know, you mentioned that Mastahamini was Kurdish, mm-hmm. and it's in the Kurdish areas where it's strongest, but it's not restricted to the there, there either. And the Iranian government tried to shut down the Internet, but yeah. I don't know how they're doing it. No. The videos still keep coming out, yep. and people are still getting information out of the country about what's happening. And I think that also is key, that the entire world is watching the mullahs know this. They're kind of cornered. Well, you know, again, from reading, and there's, if, not, in, not in Western news. I mean, it's, this is not a story that um, the nightly news is following. <laughs> um, you can make a case last week, well, it was the hurricane knocked that out of the box. But now I've, I've returned since ah. I went back on air. I start to watch local news again. And this is a no-no. Um, the clerical regime of, of Iran could topple. Why isn't that of interest to the Biden administration? Because we'll talk about OPEC and Biden here in a minute. But why isn't that of interest to Joe? Well, you know, the Biden administration's uh, one of the foremost goals of the Biden administration coming in was to restore the nuclear deal that Barack Obama concluded with the mullahs. And so the Biden administration has been pursuing a policy of appeasement of the Islamic Republic ever since it got into power mm-hmm. and uh, pursuing, you know, restoring the nuclear deal, strengthening the nuclear deal, making new concessions to Iran. And now it looks as if the regime is deeply threatened. Well, the Biden administration is invested in this regime. They want this regime. They like this regime. They don't want to see it fall. They don't know what they're going to be dealing with if it falls. And so this is not a story that the political and media elites want to get behind. No, I agree. And if you go back, Robert Spencer from Jihad Watch, we had a break coming in a second. Peter Boyle, 710 KNUS. Nice day today. 65 will be the high. Uh, how much money? And as a reader, and you go back to Obama under John Kerry when they make that initial deal. And I said, you know, those those mullahs had John Kerry the minute he walked in the room. He was, you know, like, it's like they had him at a low. But. They were being pressured by all the multinational defense contractors because they they needed military parts. They needed commercial airline parts. And the mullahs were going to reach out to the Germans and the British and the French who had no problem selling them anything. And it was like all the pressure came from the multinationals in this country to make the deal. And when I when uh, when the Shah fled, Jimmy Carter froze all those Iranian assets in this country. And in essence, they wanted their money back, and they were willing to buy, flip that money back into the multinational corporations in the U.S. for weaponry. And the Obamas did that, and John Kerry did it. And and now, and so, dot, 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 now what, Mr. Spencer? Well, now what indeed, because the European Union and the Biden administration both want to continue and revive and strengthen those kinds of business arrangements. And so they, here again, this is not something that leads them to think that they want the protesters to succeed. And this is why they're turning a blind eye. The Biden administration issued a couple of pro forma go team kind of statements about the, the protesters, but that's it. 
there really isn't anything of substance going no. to be done to support them, just no. like Obama turned his back on them in 2009. And, you know, in that moment after the first Gulf War, when they urged, I'm, I'm a big supporter of Kurds, know some, many Kurd, Kurdish people, and George Bush, W, not W, Herbert Walker, urges them to rise, and they rise. And he backs away, and Saddam brutally butchers them. Um, if, I'm, if, I'm, if I'm Kurdish, I trust none of these people. Oh, absolutely. They've never shown themselves to be trustworthy. The Kurds have been promised this since the end of World War One. That's right. And the West has reneged and reneged and reneged and, and, and used and manipulated them. There's no reason why any Kurdish leader should should think that the West is, is worth trusting in the slightest degree. But when I read that she was a Kurd, and I thought, oh boy, you know, that puts a little more fuel on the fire. But you would think, again... The first question I have when I started really doing this story a couple of weeks ago, it's past 20 days now, I started reading about it, and I thought, once again, and now the Bidens, and I want to take a pause and come back, Mr. Spencer, but Saudi Arabia gives Joe Biden the middle finger over the OPEC oil supply cut, and I'm watching this thing happen in Iran, and then I want to ask you about what you think about Putin and what's taking place in Ukraine. Hang on, sir, if you would. There is no one better. Uh, would you put him on hold, please? No one better. Robert Spencer from Jihad Watch. Brother Jeff coming up on Herschel Walker. Then Alan Fisher. Alan Fisher's in studio. This is the uh, police officer that we, we, we honored at MC1, and his story is just hang on your seats. He's in our studio this morning at 11. And uh, talking about selling homes. Right now, things are in the housing market. It's flipped drastically, and you need a lot of help. Gay Ribble with Empower Home, team of Keller Williams Realty. I know her. I mean, she has been, like, terrific to all of us. And when it comes to selling homes, there's no one better than Empower Team and Gay. She grew up in Arvada, local market expert. It's Gay's secret. Other agents making big promises. Gay will guarantee in writing. Sell your home at 100% of your asking price, or she will pay you the difference in cash. She's able to do this. Gay already has the buyers. 15,179 buyers on the list, ready to go, good to go, buyers in waiting. Gay told all of us, well, to talk about selling a home, Peter and Cheyenne, this couple, over asking price with multiple offers and help them get their dream home. Look, it's a tight right now. Call her up. She's she's ours. Three. Here's the easy number, 833-301-SOLD. Empower Home Team, Gay Ribble. She spells her name G-A-Y-E, and she's a really, really great friend. 833-301-SOLD. That's 833-301-SOLD. 23 after the hour of 9, morning everyone on a Saturday morning, 65 the high tonight, uh, 45 tonight and 73 tomorrow. The uh, Berg dinner tonight at the press club is actually, it's not at the press club, it's the Sinesta, but it's been sold out. Looking forward to tonight, it's going to be great stuff. 303-696-1971, back to Robert Spencer in a second. Temperature is dropping and snow is in the mountains. And that means we're just a couple weeks away from the start of ski season. Ta-da! Right now, perfect time to take your skis or your boards in for a tune. Or maybe it's finally time to get the new gear. Owe it to yourself. John Marriott and the crew at Larson Ski and Sport. I've been speaking for these guys for, I don't know, 25 years. Located south of I-70 on Kipling. So you're westbound on I-70. Get off on the Kipling exit. Down the ramp. Come underneath I-70. Head south. Look to your right right away when you come out of the tunnel. The Crab Shack. Larson Ski and Sport. Whether you rent equipment and do rentals for a season, that's a great time to do that. Rent always for your kids because uh, that's going to become, it's all going to be smaller to next year. Absolutely committed to making your ski experience the absolutely best. Larson's convenient. 
stop on your way up the hill or stop on your way home. The big wooden building right next to the um, right next to the crab shack, south of I seventy on Kipling. You can take it from me, John, and the guys at Larson's absolute experts at everything you need for winter sports. Stop in today and tell them I sent you seven days a week. Larson Ski and Sport, south of I seventy on Kipling, three zero three four two three zero six five four. 303-423-0654. John Marriott, the guys, LarsonSport.com. The one and only Robert Spencer from Jihad Watch is our guest. We opened talking about Iran and the protesters saying they're not afraid anymore of the mullahs. And there are two tie-in stories. One, of course, the Sauds. Our gallant, we, we've talked about Saudi Arabians, I think, as long as we've been friends. Our gallant allies, the Saudis, give Joe Biden the middle finger on Wednesday. Let's take that one first. Mr. Spencer, your thoughts. Yeah, you know, I think they're still angry with him over saying that they were a pariah because of the killing of Jamal Khashoggi. The Saudis are well aware that there are states all over the world, notably Iran, that the Biden administration has been courting that have terrible human rights records. And so the uh, endless focus on this guy who was linked to al-Qaeda being killed by the Saudi government is something that they resent. And so Biden went hat in hand to try to get them to lower oil prices, and instead they're raising oil prices. It's very clear the contempt in which they hold the alleged president. I watched this, and the Saudi Arabians, who you and I have talked about many, many, many times, their involvement in 9-11 and their underhandedness in the world, and they go again with Russia, which brings me to ask my next questions of you about Ukraine. But again, they agree to slash production by 2 million barrels per day, twice as much as the, quote, analysts had predicted. It's the biggest cut since COVID-19. Why are they doing this and doing it with the Russians? Well, I think they're rubbing it in. They're trying to make sure that Biden has as hard a time as possible. They want to they want to see him fail and uh, are like the pariah that he said they were. And so it's a certain sense. It's kind of payback. How how are the Saudi Arabians? I mean, I think I know my own answer, but yours was always better. How are they able to dance on the head of a pen? I mean, I've watched these people for for decades. Just get away with it. Is it simply because of the Yeah. Yeah. It's all about the money, you know, like. uh, Ilhan Omar said in a different context, it's all about the Benjamins. Yeah. And they know that they've got, uh, hey, you know, it's another Godfather reference, actually. They carry around American politicians in their pockets yeah. like so many nickels and dimes. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, they know that they've got the protection that that affords them. Yeah, let, let, them, let them wet their beaks. <laughs> they, <laughs> you know, remember that? Yeah, when oh, they like, do. They do. Absolutely. And it's a mutually satisfying arrangement for the U.S. politicians that are on their payroll. And so oh. uh, no, they're never called to account. They they hired every influence peddling law firm, peddling the Podestas of Brownstein here locally. They've hired everybody to try and block anybody being able to sue them for 9-11. And, um, and then you turn around, I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm... I have followed these people for this country, and now Bandar's daughter is now the ambassador, and they have, it's almost like you want to say to somebody, have you no shame? But we know the answer, don't we? Yeah, well, they don't. 
yes. In a, in a word, no. But who, have, uh, who, has, who has less shame, the United States of America or, or the Saudis? Oh, that's a tough one, Peter. I mean, we're talking about uh, uh, two groups of people, two oligarchies mm-hmm. that know that they're completely unaccountable mm-hmm. because they control every institution that would hold them to account. When I, when I started reading that story and I'm following the Iranian story, and then, of course, now, and you and I haven't talked about this. I was going to call you. I actually was going to call you yesterday at the house. Um, the war in Ukraine. And so yesterday, or at least when I watched it on the news, Joe Biden says, this is the Cuban Missile Crisis all over again. And I'm thinking that's precisely how Putin sees it and for Joe to use it. And this scares the bejesus out of me because these are two people Putin on one side and Joe Biden on the other, and I'll just make it a jump ball question. Mr. Spencer, what do you think? They, uh, yeah, they could get us into a nuclear war, but I think that what they're both doing is justifying their actions to the people that they have to justify them to. In, In our case, Joe Biden is trying to make sure that there's not too much anger about the billions and billions oh. and billions of dollars that keep going to Ukraine when the United States is in dire financial straits and there are all kinds of people who are more deserving than the Ukrainian government that is corrupt and tied into yeah. the whole corrupt international superstructure. And yet uh, they don't get the money. The United the, the crumbling roads and bridges don't get the money. The uh, American people continue to be soaked for higher and higher taxes and so on. And so uh, he has to justify that. The only way he can do that is by trying to make out that this is some um, world-altering crisis, that this is something, this is our very lives on the line here. And I, we've been talking about it, our guest Robert Spencer from Jihad Watch, and when Joe Biden's sitting there, making that conversation about the missile crisis in Cuba. And that's exactly how Vladimir Putin saw the U.S. incursion into Ukraine to bring in missiles. And I'm, I'm thinking this, well, of course, you, you and I agree on, on Biden, but how, it's like, you know, I stole from you, then I'm going to stick around and help you find what I stole. I mean, I, I'm thinking... And, and then they're cheered on, and, and again, compare and contrast, but here's this wonderful opportunity for the United States of America or whomever in Iran, and we're playing this other game. Mr. Spencer. Yeah. I mean, look, uh, Putin has every reason to be concerned about the uh, spread of NATO eastward. In contrary to explicit promises that were made That's right. to the contrary. That's right. And he said in his speech that was about uh, why he was entering Ukraine to start with that the uh, United States had reneged on promises in that regard, mm-hmm. that they were working toward encircling Russia, that he couldn't allow it. Um, these things are actually quite reasonable. Now, mm. people are going to say, oh, you're pro Putin Russian no, shill. No, no. no. I'm not saying the uh, invasion was justified. I'm not saying he's a good guy. It's like Saddam Hussein. The situation is more complicated than just uh, painting him as a demon, as the new Hitler, and that's that. And in this case, uh, NATO and the West have been 
engaged in a series of provocations. And this, the, the real point is not that the Russians are right or that Putin's a good guy. The point is that the United States and the West have been provoking and doing everything they could to ratchet up the tensions instead of tamping them down. I, I totally agree. Um, and this is the military-industrial complex that Dwight Eisenhower so warned us about, making hundreds of thousands of dollars a day uh, selling U.S.-built armaments. And I once said that George W. Bush got our country into so much trouble in his invasions, and now I'm starting to see Joe Biden as a rival. Because um, yep. this could go real bad real quick. Real they bad. Could. Yes. I mean, they could. I mean, they could get their nuclear war. You bet. You know, uh, once you start putting that on the table, then it's it's hard to know where to stop. And yeah. so uh, you also got to wonder, though, are they just making up for what uh, the the loss of Afghanistan? Oh, yeah, absolutely. As a cash cow for the military industrial complex. I, I so you got to find another conflict yeah. that we can have to pay for. I said that and wrote it, that when everybody was bemoaning the loss of all of this military hardware, the multinationals weren't. They were going good. Yep. You know, we can sell more now. And they exactly. always, you know, it's, it's Ike's going out the door speech. Watch these guys. If you look at Southeast Asia, the Middle East, Central America, the list goes on and on and on. Sub-Saharan Africa. The United States of America finds a way to get into war. I am convinced of it. Mr. Spencer, do you think there's something to that? No doubt about it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's interesting to note that there are two presidents, only two, who have warned about the military-industrial complex. Eisenhower, as you noted, mm -hmm. and Donald, Donald Trump. Trump. And no, uh, no. you see how the entire elite class ganged up on Donald Trump. Yeah. I'm no Trump fan, but I agree with you. I mean, he, I'm, I'm, you know, I've just got nothing else to do anymore but read and pounding through these books. But um, now there's, six, there's over six months now into this war— and, you know, what was the great line from history? It's easy to get into war. It's hard to get out. What does Biden or any of these multinational, and I think I know what the Hawks would think, this is good stuff. You know, we can now we can get back into a, the Cold War that you and I grew up in. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. It was, a, it was highly profitable cash cash. Oh, and that's what I knew and talked about. I, Leave us, leave us with something. Uh, um, the Iranian, we'll have you back next Saturday if, if it's possible because you're always the turn-to guy. But I'm, I'm watching. The, and when these people say, and you can read them, we are no longer, we're not, not, not afraid anymore is what they said. When you compare that to when people revolt, that's not good news for the mullahs, is it? No, it's, uh, like I said at the beginning, this, these are very exciting times. This regime could really fall. And that would upset the entire international arrangement. There would be repercussions uh, beyond imagining to that. And I can't see that they would be bad. When you take a major international rogue regime off the table, then I think there could be a lot of oh, good results. I do, too. Who's in the wings? I mean, I'm trying to read some of these other their governments in exile. The big problem yeah. is that, that uh, there's not really any huge opposition force. Uh, so probably the front runners would be the Shah, mm. Shah's son, that is, Baby the, Shah. the exiled yeah. Shah, exactly, or the MEK. 
Wow. Now, a lot of people on the in the right-wing establishment, they love the MEK. I do not love the MEK. That is the Mujahideenic mm-hmm. Halk. It's mm-hmm. another uh, Islamic group that's a rival to the group that's in power. I don't know that they would really give a substantial difference to the people of Iran. But uh, a lot of people love them in the West, Rudy Giuliani oh, and others. Well, speaks volumes. There you go. I'm going to, Mr. Spencer, I'm going to put you on hold and speak w- with Blake. And I'll, can I, hopefully we get 15, 20 minutes or more from you next uh, next Saturday. Can we do that, sir? He's on hold. Okay. We go to open lines, 303-696-1971. Danny Kappas, I got a message from Dan. Uh, yesterday morning I woke up to it. Danny's the longest friend, the only lawyer in Colorado history to win five straight multi-million dollar jury verdicts in motor vehicle crash cases. He and his partners, and it's a great law firm, great lineup, Former six former deputy DAs are using tremendous courtroom experience to help survivors in serious crashes. Danny believes that talk is cheap and experience counts and results matter, and the firm would be happy to share with you its track record of outstanding jury verdicts of out-of-court settlements. Dan Kaplis believes that you hire and who you hire says a lot about you, who's involved in the case, and they suggest that you choose their firm, obviously, that shares your values. The firm believes its core values have been a foundation of historic success, faith, integrity, hard work, and dedication. We went through some stuff, and I got to tell you, he, uh, he, was, he was like the wind with us. He, he, the, the firm believes in core values. And Danny does, too. He's my friend. If you need Dan's help, call him 303-907-5003. If you need Dan's help, pick up the phone. They'll get right back to you. 303-907-5003. Even if it's only a question about something. Or hit dancaplislaw.com. Danny's last name. C-A-P-L-I-S. Dancaplislaw.com. Amarillo by morning. Good morning, everyone. On a Saturday, 65 will be the high. 45 tonight. 73 on Sunday and Monday, back to work, 77 degrees. Lines are open, 303-696-1971. You see where Joe Biden gives the blanket to, if you've ever had a pot bust. you got to have a show of hands. How many of you ever took a beef on marijuana? Possession, sales, any, any or all. 303-696-1971. Cop to it. Like, what does it mean? Did that chase, did that chase you around if you had it on your record? That you were maybe sales or distribution or just a street deal or just got caught with weed. Uh, I had tons of friends that got caught with weed. And, um, you know, what's changed? But I'd love to hear how you feel about that and anybody in general on that one. Lines are open. We're also talking about Vladimir Putin, talking about Saudi Arabia. And again, coming up, Brother Jeff, we're going to talk about Herschel Walker. And then in our studio, I listened to this man speak uh, two Sundays ago at the MC1. And his name's Alan Fisher. And I was standing behind him on this on this uh, platform with Frank DeAngelis and Mark Miller and Jeff Schrader and all the law enforcement guys. And I'm watching him speak forward. I, and his leg is twitching. And he tells this story. And I thought, well, he'll talk about what happened to him. But he and his partner responded to this to this U-Haul had crashed into a into an RV park on West 44th Avenue. The U-Haul had been stolen. And the guy came out with a knife. And he stabbed Fisher 12 times. And this story is so remarkable. And, and I, 
Actually, Blake did a great job asking him in studio and asking him to do the radio show, and he's going to be in our studio with us this morning at 11. 303-696-1971. You ever take a pot hit? You ever take a pot bust? And Joe Biden is now starting to wipe the slate clean. What happened to you in your life when people tracked you? And again, with open lines, it is your turn. You will feel relaxed and at ease. Twin Aspen Dental Center Sedation Dentistry. Now, this is my guy, Dr. Richter. Uh, Richter pulled me out of the fire so many times. Says, what do you need, a a routine cleaning, a same-day crown, or a one-day dental makeover? Dr. Brian Richter and a team will ease your dental anxiety. A lot of people are are spooky, man, don't want to go to the dentist. And I get it, man, fears are fears, but forget about it. Uh, Twin Aspen Dental, for years, they use the most up-to-date technology for less invasive treatments, traditional dental procedures. Don't let old-school fears keep you. From a beautiful smile and healthy mouth. You'll be relaxed and comfortable with sedation dentistry. I needed a deep cleaning after I've waited too long, being honest. And I should have done my regular cleaning, but deep cleaning was quick, pain-free. And when you see the dentist, don't, don't wait. Don't be stupid. Because, you know, it can make you sick. Your teeth can make you sick overall. Deep cleaning is quick, pain-free. Take the first step towards keeping your great smile and getting a better smile. Twin Aspen Dental located on Stroh Road in front of the Lehman Academy in Parker, Twin Aspen Dental, 303-841-7466, twinaspendentalcenter.com, on the web, 303-841-7466, 303-841-7466. These are my friends. Already people are firing in on talking about coming up to talk about Herschel Walker with Brother Jeff. Don't you think it's really interesting? I mean, I, the hypocrisy... In politics knows no bounds, but the people who are rushing to help, quote-unquote, Herschel Walker and forgive Herschel Walker, they want laws in place that would take women, physicians, health care providers, whomever, and put them in jail. They, they, they look at Herschel Walker and this, you know, we'll, we'll win at all costs. We need, and, and Donald Trump's support of Herschel Walker. You see these people rushing to Herschel Walker who would otherwise take people and put them in prison, put them in jail. And it's perfectly okay now. These are the same people, by the way, the same people that want to enact laws and have enacted laws on abortion. And they would be willing to throw anybody into jail, physicians, medical help, all these rules and laws on Roe Wade. But they're willing to go down, and you know Herschel Walker's lying, and it doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter whether or not Herschel Walker's telling the truth, which, of course, he isn't. I mean, it's just... I mean, we can talk about all what's come out about get well cards and checks. and But he clearly did. I mean, he's clearly lying to people about his involvement in several abortions. His son does a video. I mean, he's got seemingly endless supply of women who have had his kids or aborted his kids. And it doesn't it doesn't bother uh, the people who would take women and put them in jail take doctors, put them in jail, take medical helpers and throw them in the joint. This is like, no, wait a minute, stop. No, no, we're going to, I mean, we're going to win no matter what. No, you're not. 
does um, anyone really think that Herschel Walker is going to pull this out? Walker, um, I mean, his kid talks, and he said he never knew he had any half-brothers until the Daily Beast, I think, broke the story that the woman also didn't know about the other sons, and she expresses these text messages, and it's like this crazy story. And he sits there. One thing, i I, I got to hand it to Hannity. I saw the cut where Hannity, you know, comes back and says, well, what about this? And Walker starts to double-clutch. Uh, the Daily Beast, I know you can't trust the press, they're fake news, but um, Walker sent his son a picture of his half-brother. And, I mean, it's, it's what? It's what? So what I think is interesting is all these, and you can watch this. This is, the, this is race politics. Of course it is. Who's rushing down to Ralph Reed and all these Pentecostal white men? No, oh, man, it's cool for you. But it's not okay for these women. Because when we get our sway, we're going to jail them. But, hey, Herschel, you and a man, don't worry about it. 303-696-1971. Yesterday I spent part of my day with David Ellis. And David Ellis in Cherry Creek, and I urge everybody, you heard me telling you to take your valuables to David and get a fortune of cash, secure an appraisal from David, and all the valuables you got tucked away in your home. Well, that's true. But let me share the other reasons for David, just in case you don't have a Rolex or rare coins or a silver tea set. Go see David for all your meaningful gift-giving occasions. David Ellis Jewelers, the right items, just the right prices. Uh, Alan Sammer from Machine Gun Tours and I were spent a couple hours with David yesterday just it was like the best conversations the antique watches because they have David has a lot of antique firearms antique watches emerald pennants gold necklaces diamond rings I got an education yesterday in, in, in some firearms technology and it was really cool man my the, the trusted jeweler has been buying precious metals and antiques in Colorado for decades and dazzling cases filled with hundreds of new and used pieces loved ones will treasure Visit David Ellis Jewelers. See for yourself. Look at the, the, the black awning, 3rd and Clayton and Cherry Creek. The black awning in ExploreDavidEllisJewelry.com. Call my friend David if you want to speak to him. 303-322-8779 and tell him I sent you. And there's the deal. David Ellis, 3rd and Clayton and Cherry Creek. Now, to the wall, Warnock is still worse. Well, I mean, that's not the point of the conversation. The point of the conversation, I mean, this is how the mindset works well this guy's still no herschel walker's behavior and then well warnock's worse uh, i'm not defending warnock i'm not telling you warnock's a great candidate or he won because trump and the, what the rest of the mccracken and lynn wood they all went down to well the devil went down to georgia lynn wood lives in, in atlanta i believe and they said hey um don't vote it's rigged so people stayed home. Warnock won. Wow. Good, smooth move on that one. Warnock's still worse. I'm not defending Warnock. I'm not telling you Warnock's great. I'm talking about Herschel Walker. And do you honestly believe Herschel Walker's telling the truth? If you do, I have this great bridge. <laughs> it's in Brooklyn. I can sell it to you. Um, it's available right now. Do you actually believe that Herschel Walker is telling the truth? Of course not. Will he win? Which is a better question. Would he? Would he be win? I, 
Does he have a chance in this? I, apparently so, according to many texters. Why don't you talk about Joe Biden's son? <laughs> they're they're going to charge him. Herschel Walker's running for Senate. I love how you think talk radio works. Herschel Walker. Um, <laughs> oh, well. But Herschel Walker's Georgia Senate campaign is in turmoil as of yesterday. And the, he fired his political director, and, and this woman has now come forward. So, I, I guess it's a 101. Do you believe Herschel Walker's telling you the truth? Or it doesn't matter? If he's saying he was not involved in any of these things, he is lying to you if you're a voter. Warnock is worse, exactly the point of the conversation. Oh. So he, this Herschel Walker can sit there and, what, lie like a rug, all about women and kids. That's cool, man. It's good because, oh, Warnock's worse. Warnock shouldn't have ever been elected in the first place had Trump not go down and thrown the monkey into the wrench or the wrench into the monkey. That's how Warnock won in the first place. Is Donald Trump, Lynn Wood, the Kraken. Remember everybody goes down there? I think Rudolph was part of that. Um, and they went down and told people that it was rigged. And so people st- st- taking Donald Trump's word stayed home. Warnock won. To the wall. The red wave you deny is coming, and it's already here. Now, what, in Colorado? How about yesterday when uh, Ron Hanks pulls off a Republican stunt on Joe O'Day? He tells people he's not backing Joe O'Day. That's the red wave that you think is coming to Colorado? Did anybody really believe that, that the red wave is coming to Colorado? Do you really believe that the red wave is going to hit this country in the Senate with Dr. Oz and this idiot? <laughs> I mean... Do you really believe that? And again, I, I, I look at these people, and these are all the Trump candidates. These are Trump-backed guys. Herschel, Donald Trump's not backing Herschel Walker right now. Back away from it. Back away from it. Um, I don't know what to tell people. I guess belief is this powerful force. So Herschel Walker maintains he doesn't know the woman who's accusing him of having an abortion. And... She said, well, I had his other kid, too. Oh. And he can lie to you. And if, But the other, I think the greater part of this is, and then we'll flip and come back, and Jeff will really light you up. I'm getting all the people caught while you're having Jeff on. Because he's a great guest. Herschel Walker's maintained he doesn't know the identity of the woman claiming she had an abortion after, he, after she and Walker got pregnant in 2009. Friday afternoon, the woman was finally heard from the top Walker campaign surrogate, Julie Blanchard, the candidate's wife, in a text message exchanged with the Daily Beast, a woman who says she later had a child with Walker against his wishes in 2012, told Blanchard it was cruel that Walker continues to claim he doesn't know me or the abortion he paid for. You know, uh, Warnock's worse. <laughs> okay, ready to pull the pin? Let's do a turnaround and come back with Brother Jeff. And then in studio, this police officer, it was an incredible story. And he just floored me. And I'm watching Frank DeAngelis. There was tears in Frank's eyes when this man started to speak about what had happened to him on that night. And he will be in our studio this morning at 11 o'clock. I think he's bringing his family, Don Fisher. So come back, make you madder than you are right now. 710K in U.S. It's 950, jump 958. It's Saturday morning. Stay here. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.